Welcome to the Aesthetic Doctor Podcast. We don't shy away and keep secrets here. We empower you with education, telling you the truth about all things aesthetic medicine while encouraging you to be the best version of yourself. It's time to look great and feel good doing it. This is your host, mom, speaker, and board-certified physician, Dr. Judith Forger. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 21 of the Aesthetic Doctor Podcast. Today, we're joined by Dr. Catherine Toomer, and we are talking about post-weight loss, skin, and facial changes. Dr. Toomer is the owner of the Total Wellness and Weight Center in Aiken, South Carolina. She is the creator of the Total Wellness and Weight Loss Program, which has helped people lose weight for 20 years, preventing and reversing chronic disease, using a biosocial approach to those who are overwhelmed and ready to give up. She is a TEDx and keynote speaker. She is an author and coach, and she is by training a family and community health physician. I am so excited to have this expert on weight loss and wellness here. So please join me in my conversation with Dr. Catherine Toomer. Dr. Toomer, I'm so excited that you're here. And um, like our listeners already heard in the intro, you really are an expert in weight loss. Um, And seeing that I'm an expert in aesthetics, you know, a lot of people have this goal to lose weight. And then we've done all the hard work, we've lost the weight, and suddenly we're seeing all the desire changes about weight loss, but there's some other changes that we're seeing. So I think it's really important that we're having this conversation about weight loss and and um, the skin. And so as the expert here, you come in contact with a lot of people that have lost weight. So what are the most common weight loss, skin and facial changes that people see both desired and undesired? Usually the most um, common is our skin changes. And so often what happens is that um, you start seeing areas of the face that well, we get a nice jawline <laughs> with losing right. weight. But then your your nasal labial folds, these folds here, start becoming more prominent. Of course, with Zoom now, they put filters in, so you can't really see anymore. I didn't realize they have automatic filters. I thought you had to add them. And then um, the other area is right here. You start seeing a lot of you know weight loss in the temples. And so what that does, it gives you a nice you know high cheekbones, but it does tend to make people look a little bit older than they want. And that's usually the two most that I see. Um, the Some changes though that happen um, that are good changes are that they lose you know, some of the darkening around the mouth, the hormonal changes that cause the darkening. And also I do a lot with um, sleep and wellness. And so we lose the bags and the art. But generally yeah. we seek out the changes that occur usually with fat loss in the face. And then the other I hear often is um, uh, skin sagging, like abdominal skin sagging. Um, That's often, which is, you know, obviously you want to lose the fat around your middle, but uh, depending on how quickly you lose weight and depending on um, the type of weight loss that occurs, it, um, you do get sagging. And I apologize. I just, my dogs are barking really loudly. Can you hear I can't them? even hear them. Okay. I can't hear them. <laughs> okay, good. 
So, well, if oh, anybody I, hears a dog, she's a dog lover. I'm I would so do. Alive. So, yeah. hello, doggies. I hope you I have two them. I large. Hope they're not like hello. No, I have two very large Labradoodles. So, um, and as soon as they hear me talking, they start barking. I have all my doors closed, but you know, you never know. They can hear, you can hear yeah, them. Yeah, no, totally. And, and, you know, when people come to my practice after a lot of weight loss, um, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the facial changes that you described, um, you know, we use dermal fillers mm-hmm. to kind of change some of them, because of course it would be lovely if we could pick exactly sort of like a magic eraser where we took that weight away, like keep it in the boobs and keep it in the booty and keep it in the <laughs> cheeks and like take it away from the jaw and take it away from my belly and take it away. But that's obviously not how it happens. Right. right. So we do do a lot of, um, you know, things that restore volume in certain areas of the face, such as, you know, sometimes some cheek filler, some temple filler, some nasolabial filler. And then, you know, we did talk about skin laxity and um, let's talk a little bit about some of the skin laxity that people see. Mm -hmm. So of course, you know, we sometimes can see the skin laxity in, even though you can have a jawline that's wonderful once in a while, depending on, and I think that's kind of what we should say, right? So you Mm -hmm. said, depending on the type of weight loss, can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Well, what happens is it, it, it depends on the amount more so, I guess, than the type, but then also it t- depends on the type of uh, why you gained weight in the first place. Um, often, you know, a lot of people have this misconception that all weight loss is from, I mean, weight gain is from um, overeating and lack mm-hmm. of exercise. When often what we find is really it's metabolic. And so uh, when it's metabolic and it's related to hormones, you tend to gain weight through the middle and around the face okay. rather than, you know, so you'll, you'll, you'll find central, what we call central obesity or central gain. So arms and legs aren't as much of an issue. When you lose that weight, you just get the skin laxities in your abdomen and the weight loss around your face is actually ideal. People like that because then it gives you nice, you know, neck and cheekbones. I mean, uh, neck and uh, collarbones. Some people like that. Now, if it's not hormonally related and you have a lot of hip weight loss, often it actually increases cellulite Mm. and causes some skin laxity there, which, you know, again, size comes down, but often the skin doesn't always follow in the way that you'd like. If, If it happens in a younger person and it's done slowly, the skin usually recovers. And it does kind of, you know, go back and you don't get the same amount of laxity as we're older. And uh, if we lose a large amount of weight and we're older, the skin tends not to. Yeah. And I think these are some really great points that I kind of just want to highlight for people. Mm -hmm. So obviously it matters how long you've been overweight, correct? So how Mm -hmm. long has that skin been stretched? You know, was this that your hormones went out of whack and you quickly gained and then lost again? Also, what is the speed of your weight loss? And I think that's Mm -hmm. why we always talk about um, sustainable and steady Mm -hmm. kind of weight loss versus going on a crash diet. Um, And then um, it was really interesting for me that you talked about metabolic versus non-metabolic causes. And then, of course, the age of the person matters because we know that we have so much elastin and collagen Mm -hmm. and all those things, especially elastin is sort of your snapback molecule in our skin. And they all go down 
um, while you age. Now, let's say somebody has lost weight and they've recently lost that weight. Is there normally a time frame after which we can say your skin changes are pretty steady, meaning like, hey, give it three months, give it six months, give it a year in your professional experience? What's that timeline? Usually what I recommend is just to make sure that the weight loss is sustained to not do anything at least for six months. Okay. Um, and then um, a year is ideal. Um, I always like say give topical, you know, measures time to work first and then see where you are and then um, uh, get something done. Now that's generally my recommendation for anything permanent. Like if you have skin removal and you have actual plastic surgery to have skin removed, when it comes to fillers, that's anytime. I mean, my feeling is that if someone wants to do something that, um, you know, changes their, that improves their appearance for them, it makes them feel better. And they do that anytime. Right. Because we know that positive mentality mm -hmm. that positive mindset and loving the way you look is just mm -hmm. so important. And it can give you really that, that drive mm -hmm. to keep going as well. And to keep kind of, you know, I always say that this, um, and I think in weight loss, we see that a lot too, is that your self-image is so important it because is. your self-image defines who you are, what you see yourself and also what you act, right? Like, mm -hmm. are you acting still like that overweight person that's now trapped in a skinny body? Or are you exactly. acting like the healthy version of you? And exactly. I don't want to say skinny because skinny is not always healthy, but are you yeah. acting like the healthy version, the mm -hmm. active version, the empowered version, yes. the version that's making the choices that are best for your health? Exactly. And one of the things also that I do recommend is, and one of the, you know, as um, things improve and as there's, there's advancements, uh, lasers becoming really wonderful and helping with skin. So, I mean, my feeling is just do it as you go along, but anything that's more permanent, that's surgical, I always say, wait. About yeah. Six yeah. And, 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 you know, when I see patients and of course I do non-surgical aesthetics. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we do a lot of the, um, like we already talked about fillers, but like you said, we do some of the lasers for stretch marks and scarring. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we do some skin tightening procedures, mm -hmm. some cellulite procedures, like mm -hmm. a radio frequency microneedling, like radio frequency by itself, um, like some ablation procedures to the face for overall texture and collagen stimulation, microneedling, um, some hyperdilute radius. So I do kind of with the more advanced procedures, I do want to see some steady weight loss, like, mm -hmm. like as well, um, because we don't also during the healing process to want the skin to sort of be stretched not stretch and stretch and not stretch, but you're absolutely right. If it's less permanent, um, the more people could kind of do that concurrently. And some of them are even maintenance procedures. Um, the other thing that I wanted um, to talk to you about was also that, you know, I love how your physician um, supervising weight loss, um, you know, the skin needs nutrients. So sometimes yes. when people want to lose weight um, or they want to lose weight, desperately and mm -hmm. they go on some fat diets. I mean, sometimes weight loss can bring with it um, some nutritional deficits as well mm -hmm. and nutritional deficiencies. So what are some of the ones that we would see like skin changes with? And mm -hmm. what are some of the nutrients that are really important for, mm -hmm. let's say your skin glow, your skin appearance? Okay. Well, one of the things that I do is I take a very detailed food diary. And then I go through and I do a, a nutrition analysis to see where the deficiencies might be, to see what um, 
what what maybe some of the issues that someone will have with food. I also look for any food uh, relationship issues because you know I always you know any type of of eating disorder or disordered eating. I, I'm very very um, uh, detailed about that. And one of the things that is really the most common is protein deficiency. Mm -hmm. Most people just simply don't eat enough protein. And so I ended up creating a protein protocol just to make sure that people get enough. Once you take care of the protein, everything else sort of falls into place. Um, the cravings go away, it affects appetite, and then we start working on the other things. Um, and so vitamin C is another that I see some deficiency, vitamin B is another. Um, and then, but I also talk a lot about wellness. So I do do skin care, not to the point of making recommendations, but just reminding people that as they're losing weight to take care of their skin as well, sunscreen and, um, you know, just to keep, you know, vitamin E is, is something that is also uh, very beneficial. Omega fatty acids is another, I mean, it tends to, the fatty acids, the vitamins, and then protein are probably the three top that I, I really focus on. So what are some of the um, skincare recommendations that you give your patients? I mean, you already talked about sunscreen. What are some of the other ones? The others that I talk about are, you know, when people start complaining about darkening of the skin, because of course, when your skin stretched, it looks one way. And then as it, it's not stretched anymore, you start noticing um, darkening areas that you may not have noticed before. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things I do talk about is um, glycolic acid. Um, and, but I still, my recommendations are usually, these are things that I use, but you should talk to this person, no person. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. I do refer and to other physicians who do also, excuse me, who also do what you do. And so, um, because I feel that, um, you know, I know what I don't know. And I, I just rec I just tell people what I do. People often ask me what I've done for my skin. Um, I, I have, uh, fortunately I have very good genes and, um, my mother is 92 does not wrinkle. She just doesn't have wrinkles. And so I, I have her skin. So I I'm, you know, so I, I make that clear that some of this is genetics. It is not from products, but when I do need something, I do see a specialist, a professional. Awesome. And similarly, I don't do weight loss. So it kind of goes, <laughs> goes both ways. And I think it's really yeah. important that, and, and it's a theme that has sort of come up is that mm -hmm. um, people that are really on top of their craft, they also know where it ends mm -hmm. and they're not afraid to say, look, like this is not mm -hmm. my area, exactly. but I know somebody really good who does mm -hmm. this, or yeah. let me help you find somebody. Um, you know, um, we talked a lot about weight loss and you talked about your skin, um, you know, you have shared with me that you've had this incredibly impressive weight loss journey, and I'm sure it is kind of what motivated some of you are dedicating your life to wellness and weight loss for other people. Um, would you mind sharing just your own journey with our listeners? Well, um, as um, a child and growing up, I was quite athletic, very muscular. And um, but then once I started college, I tended not to be as active. And so um, between college and the stress of med school and then the stress of residency and then eating like my husband when I got married, then having three children, two children in three years, um, my weight ballooned. I, I um, ended, my BMI was over 40 and I became an insulin dependent diabetic as a result of that. And I um, 
but I was still at the time helping other people lose weight, helping people reverse their diabetes. But then what happened that sort of was a wake up call a month after my daughter was born, I went into uh, postpartum cardiomyopathy, which essentially my went into congestive heart failure. Uh, my ejection fraction was 15%. And for anyone listening, 65%, 55 to 65% is where we want most um, ejection fractions to be and mine dropped to 15. And um, at the time I knew enough about the uh, disease because I had actually lost a patient in residency, a 17 year old to the exact same diagnosis. And so um, I knew I had to do something if I wanted my children, um, if I wanted to watch my children grow up. And so I initially went to endocrinologist to see, you know, help me get off insulin. I knew insulin makes you gain weight. And so I thought if I got off insulin and I treated my diabetes in a different way, my weight could come down. Um, and that would then put less of a strain on my heart. And then I could start the process of healing. But no one wanted to touch me. <laughs> They're like, you have, you know, your heart is not doing what it's supposed to be doing. And we're not going to touch you. So I talked to my cardiologist and I was like, you know, can you help me with this? And he's like, this is not my expertise. I can't help you. So I thought, well, okay, I'll just go to someone who can help me lose weight then. Talk about nutrition, talk about different things that I could do. And again, was told, no, you know, you're too high risk. And, you know, so I, I did get very depressed. Um, apart from the fact I had postpartum depression, I had cardiac depression, I had diagnosis depression, just so many things going on that um, I decided that um, I realized that if I didn't do something and do something quickly, that I may not survive this. And mm -hmm. I was told that I had a five, I knew I had about a 5% chance of living, I mean, 50% chance of living five years. And so what I did was create my own program. I started documenting all the little changes I was making. I started seeing, checking my blood sugars very regularly, many, sometimes even as much as 10 times in a day, just to see where I was before I ate, where I was after I would adjust my meals and see what happened the next day. And I kept doing this. And this was before, this was 21 years ago. So this was long before we knew about ketogenic diets, um, other than for, we used ketogenic diets for seizure disorders, but we never used it for weight loss. Uh, the other was that we, we, at the time, we were still sort of of the mindset that fat makes you fat because we really didn't understand the carbohydrate component to it. Uh, intellectually, we probably, if we thought about it, we would have figured it out. But I knew as a diabetic, carbohydrates were my enemy. And so, but I also learned rather quickly that I don't have a lot of willpower and discipline. And so even though I'm looking at my babies and I had a reason to, you know, to be healthy, um, I still wasn't doing everything I was supposed to do. But then I started noticing that when I focused on my protein, everything else started falling into place. Then my blood sugar started regulating. My weight started coming down. And within six months, I had lost 60 pounds just by focusing on my protein. And, and um, I assume with your cardiac disease at the time, you really couldn't exercise much. I couldn't exercise at all. I could barely stand up and brush my teeth at the same time without getting winded. So um, I couldn't do anything but change my diet. And that was it. And so, um, but I, I didn't, um, I, I'm not someone to go, I've never been a, like a, a, a crash dieter. I've never been someone to follow any type of diet. I've just always enjoyed food. I love food. I like think food is something that is a wellness measure. 
And it's something that, you know, in my family and in my community, food is a social event. It's a way people express love. I lived a few miles from my mother-in-law, you know, telling her I'm not going to eat something she cooked for me because she was trying to show love to me. Um, just wasn't going to happen. It wasn't realistic. And so I used what, you know, I, I was educated in and trained in a biopsychosocial approach to everything. And so that's what I did. I just broke it down into the biology, the psychology, and the sociology of what I needed to do and the adjustments I needed to make. Um, and so I stayed there and I, and I survived. My, my ejection fraction started to come up. And um, I, but then realized there was also a stress component. I started noticing that when I got stressed, I would, my heart would not, didn't like it too much. And the only time I ended up being hospitalized was when I was in stressful situations. And that's when I realized wellness was a huge component. Again, long before we were talking about wellness. Um, and so um, I started learning mechanisms that I could use to keep myself calm. But I started noticing that as I did that, my weight would also come down. And then, you know, started thinking about the cortisol connection and what cortisol does to our body and how it affects our glucose metabolism, which made sense, but it took me a minute to kind of get there. And so um, over the years, for the next 20 years, I kind of stayed around the weight, uh, the 60 pounds, and then uh, new medication started coming out for diabetes. Once a diabetic, I consider myself always a diabetic, whether on medication or not. But I was put on a medication to protect my heart. There are different types of medications called GLP-1 agonists that are heart protective. And when I was put on it, my weight dropped very quickly. We, have now, we now know that these medications are actually used just for weight loss. These are like Ozempic that now became Wegovy you know, um, Victoza that became Sexenda. And now we have Manjaro, which is probably going to end up as something else. And so I lost another 40 pounds rather quickly, so quickly, actually, that um, my cardiologist and I got concerned that there may have been something else going on. And so I actually got a cancer workup just to make sure there was nothing else happening. Um, and so the combination of this initial 60 and the later 40, I, I am now at five feet hundred pounds less than where I was um, 21 years ago. Um, and I survived with a um, ejection fraction that improved and then actually decreased again. But based on my health now, you'd never know my ejection fraction is what it is simply because I, I took such good care of myself over the years. And I, I, I got rid of the strain of, of my heart, what was straining my heart that um, as my heart started doing, you know, flip-flopping and doing different things, I was able to maintain my health because I had done the work before. Well, thank you for sharing that. I mean, hearing your story just really gave me chills. So thank you so much for sharing something um, so personal. Now, you know, you are now dedicating sort of your life to mm -hmm. helping others lose weight and have greater wellness. And and um, why don't you just talk a little bit about what your program encompasses, what mm -hmm. your clinic does, and also, especially as our listeners are all over, if there's a sort of online or virtual component to your services? Mm -hmm. Well, initially, um, I opened my own office 
when I couldn't do the work that I wanted to do in uh, clinic, I'm, I'm actually a community health physician and worked in underserved areas where you can imagine there's a lot of chronic disease. Um, and I knew how to reverse that chronic disease. I had done it for myself and I was trying to help others, but I wasn't given the time or the resources to do it. So I opened my own micro practice and so that I could see patients for an hour. I didn't have to take insurance and I could you know, spend the time. Then COVID hit and I closed. Um, partly because I could not put myself at risk One, everything closed, but then I couldn't put, I didn't open back up. I still haven't opened yet because, um, I'm still at risk sure, because sure, of my, yeah. my cardiac disease. So, um, I did everything online. And so I just started with electronic ordering, electronic prescriptions, electronic, everything. Um, I can do more for people who are local, but I do it for anyone in the country. And essentially what people started coming to me one-on-one. And I would coach them, counsel them, and I would first find the reason for their weight gain. I can count on one hand the number of times I've actually prescribed a weight loss medication. Wow. Because I just find the cause and I treat the cause or focus on the cause. And almost always it's because of either insulin resistance, undiagnosed diabetes, undiagnosed depression, undiagnosed anxiety. And all I do is focus on those things and weight goes away. Um, Very rarely do I use medications that suppress appetite because most people are not overweight because they overeat. They might overeat something that is causing them to gain weight, but their overall caloric intake is not that high. And so, um, so that's what I do. I just find the cause and then we just laser focus on that cause. You are blowing my mind right now. You really are. So thank you for having this conversation. Um, you also use some really cool modalities. You're um, mm-hmm. trained in hypnotherapy. Yes. You're trained in neuro-linguistic programming. For some mm-hmm. of our listeners who don't really know what either one of them are, will you just mm-hmm. give us a quick intro to each and re- okay. maybe how you use them with your patients? Well, as anyone can tell you with any process of development and improvement, it's mindset first. Mm-hmm. If you don't feel you, you deserve the change that you want, if you don't have the, if you don't feel that you have the power to do the things that you need to get done, or if you've yo-yo dieted in the past, or you've done things where you were advised to do things and you couldn't sustain them. Often what we say is we failed. I, I did this diet and I failed. I tried to keep the weight off and I couldn't. So what that tells me is that their process was someone else's, not theirs. And so often what those programs are for is so that others can have bragging rights and they show, they showcase the people who've lost a lot of weight on these programs, but they don't tell you where they are five years from that point. And so, um, so often what I say is what you do now, you have to be able to do when you're 90. Otherwise, whatever process you're doing is going to reverse. And in order to do that, I have to meet people where they are. And I have to understand their mindset. And many, many times I get people coming in whose confidence has been shattered. And so what hypnotherapy does is it helps me when I see someone who's losing weight and then all of a sudden they start sabotaging themselves or allowing other people to sabotage them or not even recognizing that they're being sabotaged. I tend to find what the underlying cause is, the subconscious reasons. And that's what hypnotherapy does. Hypnotherapy really is just a way of getting to um, hyper relaxation so that other messages that are there can come through. 
it doesn't create anything. And, you know, we often see in movies how, you know, people make people do other things when they're under hypnosis. That's really not true. Uh, when someone's under hypnosis, they never do anything that goes against who they really are. It just takes them wherever they're, they can go. It's based on their imagination, their abilities uh, within the process. And so and I'm what sure I, there's a lot of sort of like trauma buried in there yes. and a lot mm -hmm. of like both societal and childhood messaging yes. and a yes. lot of wounding. And exactly. So, you know, the, the things mm -hmm. that really underlie some of those beliefs. Exactly. And I do some testing before I do do ACE uh, testing. I check for childhood traumas. I check. I do a lot of counseling. Um, I have a very strong psychology background. So I do a lot of, you know, I, I generally have an idea before I even um, get to the point where hypnosis is, is maybe beneficial. I don't use it actually that often because I can usually counsel people through it. But um, I do have people who have, you know, like food addictions. It's a very, very effective for food addictions because that has very, that's not nutritional. It's something else. Mm -hmm. Neurolinguistic programming essentially is a reframing. It just helps people reframe the language in which they speak to themselves. We chatter in our heads all day long and what we tell ourselves, we listen to. And so it's really making sure that the message that we give ourselves is positive. And, um, and so taking what I hear, you know, ask people what they're thinking. And essentially what I, how I say it is, um, I listen to people's whispers between their words and then I take that and I help them reframe what it is they're saying. So I can't, stuff gets changed. I should, or I should have done this. I should have done that. I can't do this. I can't do that. We re, you know, reprogram the language. You know, I can do, I will do. And that helps considerably. Well, very cool. And um, your basic, um, your weight loss program, so it sounds like it's very individualized. It's obviously based on science. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you do a really um, full person approach between yes. the nutritional, the medicine, and um, also, of course, the mindset work or the cognitive, the psychosocial. Mm -hmm. I do. And I, I did create a group. Oh, and wonderful. Okay. Is, I, you know, I am a physician. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I, I am an expert, I have the expertise, I have the education, and I have the experience that, you know, helps me help people. That isn't always affordable for, for many. As a community health physician, it just hurts my heart when people say, I need your help, but I can't afford you. So what I did is I created another option so that um, people can still get what they need from me um, and I can still have contact, but it's just in a group setting. So it's far more affordable for people. And uh, so I do have, and it's actually called total wellness and weight loss because that's what it is. It's the whole person. Will you, um, and we will put all this in the show notes, but will you quickly also sort of tell us where we can find you? So if people are really intrigued and they want to work with you, they want to learn more, how can they best find you? The best way to find me is drtoomer.com. That's D-R-T-O-O-M-E-R.com. I have a way you can message me. I have either I or my assistant immediately jumps on any messages we get. There's also information about my programs and my YouTube channel. I do YouTube videos. Um, I do Facebook lives a lot every Tuesday at seven o'clock. So you can also find me on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash Dr. Tumor. And so those are the two best ways to find me. 
Awesome. Well, I have so enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for really enlightening us and, and really sort of telling us a lot of the things I think that don't get talked about. So um, again, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. It was fun being here. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for listening to the Aesthetic Doctor podcast with Dr. Judith Borger. We'd love to connect with you outside of the show. Follow Dr. Borger on Instagram at Dr. Borger and find more online and ways to work with Dr. Borger at www.theaestheticdoctor.com. Until next time, be well.